Welcome to Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew, Happy Dancing Turtles bi-monthly podcast. We like to talk about gardening, soil health, food, cooking, nature, or anything else that fits under sustainable practices. Well, this is the second episode we're going to be talking about foraging, so maybe we should change that intro. <laughs> because we have so much information to share with you from our Q&A with foraging enthusiast Travis Grimler. We touch on the legality of foraging, uh, some of Travis's favorite recipes, and we'll give you some good references to turn to if you're interested in getting started in foraging. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll drop in halfway through the discussion. Water plants? I'm sorry? Oh, water, water plants. plants? Yeah. I don't have as much experience with water-based plants that I would like. Um, wild rice uh, is obviously the premier one, but there's also wacus, um, which yeah. is uh, is also commonly known as yellow pond lily. Uh, the seeds in yellow pond lily, if you can beat the ducks to them, <laughs> are supposed to be very edible. The only problem is that they're covered in this like this bitter slime, and you can't just clean it off, and you can't just leach out the bitterness. This is like this mm. really weird process where you rot the slime. And the first time I tried it, I don't know if I over rotted it. It it smelled so bad. The seeds, after I washed them off, smelled so rotten that I couldn't even bring myself to try them. Uh, but uh, that's the thing with wild foods is they can be gross sometimes. Um, I've harvested the, the heads of the cattails when they're real young. Mm-hmm. They're like little corn on the cob. Yeah, it tastes really green, but they're not bad. I've done it. Um, again, uh, Yule Gibbons has a recipe for scalloped. Um, okay. cattail flowers mm. and it's uh the, i think it's the male that stayed tender for this i'll have to double check that but you basically harvest them and you just you know a baked casserole kind of mm-hmm. thing with these flowers and i haven't tried that one i've tried the corn on the cob trick yep. it wasn't bad i'd bet the scalloped ones are really good i don't think i've had that much cheese on hand while doing so well, <laughs> so uh, and then wapato the duck potato that's one I'd really like to try, but as I was mentioning before, cool you have water. to harvest it in October, and that water <laughs> is really cold. If I could get like a group of people willing to do the same thing, I could maybe talk myself mm-hmm. into it. But it look they look really like they'd be fun to use, though. So maybe mm-hmm. someday, maybe someday. Yeah, you might want to use the buddy system on that one too. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're doing frigid water up here. Up to your chest, or what yes, absolutely, and, and probably a life jacket. <laughs> Some people will cheat and use rakes, <laughs> work, work smarter, not harder, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, what about um, cities? Um, um, you know, more urban areas, you know, Is with there anything to do around that. Yeah, the, you can definitely find some things in cities or urban areas. I know a few... I should stop clicking that. Uh, <laughs> I know a few of the online... Uh, people who really post online a lot are limited to uh, city foraging for classes and things like that. And uh, I know one of the people who was actually a really informative forager. I can't remember which one it was at the moment. He almost got arrested for foraging Uh-oh. in times er, in like Central Park. Central Park. Central Park. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of things that grow in the city, and the, the sure. trick is to just be careful where you're harvesting from. 
Same issues as same issues as that roadsides, but also pesticides. Oh, Does true. your city use pesticides to control weeds? If not, look for roadsides. Look for what type of building it's growing by. Things like that. City of Pine River, right here. The sidewalks between all the cracks. Uh, pineapple weed. Lots of pineapple weed. Prickly lettuce. Okay. Uh, broadleaf plantain there's mm -hmm. all sorts of wild edibles in, right. in the city here and i've used that for classes before where i walk people around and said that's an edible that's an edible that's an edible i said don't eat it because it's growing right next to the road but that's an edible <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a, there's a lot of wild foods that actually in some cases prefer the packed earth that comes around human settlement mm -hmm. sure. um, especially the ones that that the caucasians brought to the United States, yeah. uh, uh, broadleaf plantain being one that was at one time referred to as white man's foot because everywhere settlers went, almost that same season, there would always be broadleaf plantain that just cropped up out of nowhere. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard the same thing about dandelion too. Mm -hmm. so. What about the legality of foraging? Um, do you need permits or... Um, where do you where do you look if you're looking for a new spot, and what do you take into consideration? Yeah, so we'll so I don't forget it. I'll definitely to start with the permits. Uh, wild rice, as we were talking before, that's one of the ones that's very carefully protected in Minnesota. So permits are required within a specific season. They're kind of an exception in Minnesota. There's not a lot that I there's none that I harvest other than wild rice that actually require a permit. There might be one or two more. Uh, certain training is required if you're going to sell them at a farmer's market for certain plants, mm. mushrooms, mm. things like that. You're supposed to have a certificate a certificate to show that you're safe. Wild harvested mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's really a, a, an issue of being careful of where you're harvesting. Uh, the first and foremost is to start looking at it from a broad angle, find out what the state regulations are on harvesting on state county federal lands in minnesota some uh publicly owned land is really protected for its looks so you're allowed to take things that don't affect the looks berries mushrooms but don't take the leaves if that makes sense yeah. uh so you're able to harvest the berries and mushroom the fruits of these plants but you can't harvest the plants themselves including the flowers in some cases uh, so definitely double check that and so then find where's out. where's the best way to get that information? Go to the DNR, your county land department? The DNR has, has that information, the okay. county land department. I'd bet the extensions, U of M extensions yeah. would. Um, yeah. Things like that. Yeah, there you could find that information fairly easily. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Google it. Uh, that would definitely <laughs> bring up, sure. that brings up yeah. all sorts of things, Google, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. And, uh. And then, of course, that doesn't do you any good if you don't know where you are when you're harvesting. <laughs> you know? So you definitely have some sort of navigation with you, maps, maybe a GPS. And I always recommend, because they're fantastic, plat books. If you, mm -hmm. if you can't afford mm -hmm. a plat book because they're expensive, use County GIS. It, almost every county in Minnesota has that information online now. But that helps you to know if you're on county, state, federal, or private land. Right. Yeah. When it comes to private land, ask permission. Always ask permission. You wouldn't believe how willing people are to let you on their property. Mm -hmm. And if you're really nice, you'll bring an extra bag to haul out garbage. Mm -hmm. Sure. My, oh, my wild idea. onion location used to be full of beer bottles. 
And last year I brought in a bag and took all the beer bottles out. So. Nice. And they're more than willing to let you come back again then. I'm sure they will. Because <laughs> when I spoke to them on the phone, they said, yeah, we'll let you do it, but we're thinking about not allowing people on there anymore because everybody keeps on dumping beer bottles everywhere. Right, and I right. said, well, okay, let's take care of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so... Yeah. That's back to that what you were talking earlier about that local connection and yes, know. absolutely. You yeah. make friends with people you wouldn't believe. I mean, you got people who will go with you, the people who will let you on their land or lend you things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, f- favorite recipes that that you uh, have with your forage foods? Oh yeah, probably my favorite one is actually uh, Nanny Newton's. It's not on the top of my list here, but it's Nanny, Nanny Newton's. Nanny Newton. Anybody here ever heard Nanny of a Nanny, Nanny Berry? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of a Nanny Berry. Newton, like, bars out of them? Yeah. Oh, man. Nanny Berries are this I want to try one of those. Little, known, little known berry that occurs. I haven't found a lot of them around here, but wild, I know Wild raisins. Those. Yeah, wild raisins. Yeah. Uh, black cause wild raisins. We have, one, like we have yeah. one here. Yeah. yeah. If you uh, use... Kind of stain your teeth when you eat them. <laughs> oh, I never even noticed that. <laughs> Uh, but if you if you can use like a, a strainer or things, you can just press all of the pulp out without the skin and the seeds. You end up with this really nice. They call it a pudding because you actually don't have to add anything to it. It's already a spread. Huh. Hmm. Um, the flavor isn't super powerful. Kind of like the contents of a, you know, kind of like a fig paste. Yep. Yeah. You know, yep. except even a little bit more bland, I'd say. Yeah, it's just kind of bland. I touch it up with a little bit of wild uh, wild grape juice. Ooh. Touch it up with a little wild grape juice, and I put it into a shortbread uh, kind of uh, cookie filling, but uh, it's got orange zest in it. Mm. That's what actually makes Newtons have the flavor that they have is the orange okay. zest. So you wrap this around it, and you cook it, and it turns out great. Huh. So one of my favorites, because it's so rare for me to be able to actually do it, and it's also something that everybody enjoys. Hmm. Um, Nanny berries are actually one of the um, viburnums. Yes. Yep. Well, we should invite you back when the berries are ripe, and you can show our right. our chef how to make Nanny Newtons. Yeah, that's always that's always good. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, and there's all sorts of different recipes. Of course, jellies and fruit leathers are pretty common. Oh, fiddleheads. Breads. Fiddleheads are one of the simplest ones. Um, by themselves, I'm not as crazy about just the plain fiddlehead fl- uh, flavor, but I treat them like Brussels sprouts. I, mm-hmm. In my mind, Brussels sprouts go well with bacon grease, hoisin sauce, and cheese. Okay. So I will basically uh, crisp up the outer layer in a thin layer of very hot bacon grease, mm. throw it onto a plate, uh, or actually in a bowl, and toss it with just a little bit of hoisin thinned with water, and throw it onto a tray and sprinkle mm-hmm. some cheese and bake it a little bit. And mm. I'll do that with Brussels sprouts or uh, fiddleheads, and either are really good. Otherwise... Even simpler, butter, garlic, a little bit of brown butter sauce with pasta noodles. Okay. Yeah. The fiddleheads are, they're not bad, they're just a little bit earthy. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. And there's certain ones that you, yeah, that you can pick. Yep. You definitely got to be careful with that because <laughs> not all, not all, uh, uh, not all Friends. ferns produce fiddleheads that are yeah. edible. You got to look for the ones with the U shaped stock. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have you um have you ever um tried eating any insects? No, I haven't. Or anything like that? Actually, great question. I haven't, but oh. uh, well, I guess technically, 
you know, I'm cheating here. Uh, <laughs> shrimp, no, <laughs> crawfish, yeah. things like, no, I haven't had actual insects, but you inevitably eat a ton of them if you're going to do wild foods. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's the thing that with wild foods, something I call the ick factor is mm. that unlike the things you grow in your garden, there's going to be something gross about most of the ones that you harvest. Mm. You know, it's kind of like if you forget to dunk your broccoli and salt brine yeah uh the same mm-hmm. thing happens with these other plants except you're not expecting it mm-hmm. if you harvest sumac and you're a little bit too late or maybe the bugs are a little bit too fast mm-hmm. you kind of part the sumac berries and inside are all these worms crawling around and mm-hmm. they've laid eggs and there's lots of worm feces inside of there just so you gotta catch it at the right time and if you don't you're kind of out of luck yep but uh with nuts and with the sumac berries and things the key is to catch them before the eggs hatch and freeze them you're going to be eating the eggs but you're not going to notice it (laughs) but you freeze them to kill the eggs so they never hatch and then you, you go your merry way with that to a certain extent, there's there's some of that ick factor you just have to get over. There really is. There really is. And believe it or not, when you're eating domesticated plants, there's some there too. But oh, you've sure. been saved from it by, right. by something that somebody else is doing usually. Yeah. You buy your broccoli at the store, somebody's already taken care of that aspect. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. yeah. I've... Um, gone out and forged some stuff with my kids and, mm. and I've told them not to look at it too hard and yeah. just try it because yeah. they'll always find something and maybe get grossed yeah. out. But yeah. Yeah. Kids are good at finding bugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, wild nettle soup? That's one that I tried just this last year and I was surprised mm. because there's not much to it. I think there's a little bit of onion, there's potato and nettle leaves and I think cloves if mm-hmm. I remember correctly and it's it's uh, a soup that's you know it's blended so it's this thin soup that's almost like a tomato soup and you don't expect much out of it but the potato and the cloves come out really nicely really balanced and it's really pleasant I'm gonna mm. this next year when I get a chance I'm gonna add some uh, I smoked a venison ham, so I'm going to add mm. some venison ham to oh, it. Wow. So it's going to probably be a little bit closer to a bean and ham soup, but nettles instead of the, or pea and ham soup. Um, nettles instead of the peas. Uh, and I'm expecting that to be pretty good. Mm. Okay. Someday like I might replace the, um, the potato with, if I can just boil some uh, wild rice till it's soft enough to blend that instead. Maybe see how that works, because you really just need a starch base. Mm. Yeah. What about juice some artichokes? Yeah, I some jokes. That would work too, I'm sure. I know they cook really well. Or the fast. duck potatoes. Mm-hmm. What did they do with the sunchokes at the Indigenous Farming Conference? They had them roasted, right? They just sliced them thin and um, sauteed them, didn't they? I think so. Like, yeah. So there's kind of like a potato chip, except mm-hmm. it wasn't super crispy. Yeah. But yeah. it tasted like it a really potato. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've uh, heard, I've heard that when you when you harvest nettles, you should you should always take like the younger uh, the younger growth on the top yeah and if you eat the older stuff i think it can have some some silica crystals or something in it i've heard that hard on your your, yeah i've heard that too they tend to grow in a really sandy place so i guess Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me that that sort of thing would be well that and the tenderness you know yeah Yeah. right if you have something Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. if you have something that's developed too much of like the the insoluble fibers like well the burdock or the the curly dock those leaves generally are kind of stringy mm-hmm. and if you had let that develop 
instead of uh, by, by growing it in my basement, I, I did not let them get the sunlight they needed to develop certain things. Yeah. So that's what keeps it, you know, uh, that way. But with yeah. stinging nettles, you start when they're young. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. don't get the stringy fibers, you don't get that stuff. And it would be hard to blend it, I think, if you went below that top yeah. node of leaves, mm-hmm. I think. Right. school memories this is my country my damn country give me my country you can keep the rest this is my country my damn country and it don't mean a thing if it don't pass the test if you ain't never spent a single night in jail then get another job and i'll see you in hell I'm so let's let's move on to um to resources mm-hmm. um and what what can our listeners uh look for um at the library or online um, that have been really useful to you that you want to recommend. Okay. We'll start off with some of my favorite authors, I would think. Um, you know, I actually started with this author called Bradford Angiers, and his stuff is really interesting for getting you interested. But <laughs> you do have to be very careful about your sources, because it turns out Bradford Angiers, a lot of his information was just repeated without trying it out. Mm. Yeah. And you, you look at other people who who are, have tried it following him, and they've had some weird experiences. <laughs> One of the ones that he had, had suggested was um, uh, Jack in the Pulpit, and, like using the roots. And apparently if you eat uh, the roots, it's kind of like Ralph Wiggum from The Simpsons, when he says it tastes like burning. <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's what it's like to eat Jack in the Pulpit roots. Mm-hmm. And he had suggested, I can't remember if he suggested cooking it to neutralize that and apparently doesn't work mm-hmm. um and a lot of people seem to say just don't eat jack in the pulpit because there's not much you can do to actually completely eliminate the toxic effects mm-hmm. it's probably not going to kill you but it'll probably make your stomach very upset <sighs> so you got to choose carefully from your sources and the ones that i would recommend uh yule gibbons is kind of like was kind of like the guru of wild foods mm-hmm. during his day and for a good reason He's not all that artistic, but he tried all the stuff that he's recommending to you. He had personal experience with it. That's where I learned how to make the forced um, curly dock, mm-hmm. you know. And he's d- did all this stuff all by himself, and he'll tell you, you know, almost to the day, okay, I tried it this month of this year with this friend, right. you know. <laughs> so you know that he's done it, uh, and you want to find sources that have done it. So I, I like Yul Gibbons for really getting my interest peaked. And then when it comes to identification, uh, John Callis is a great one. His book right here, I can't see the title. Edible Wild Plants, pretty simple, straightforward. And Sam Thayer, who has, I think, three books out now. But uh, the two that most people are com- familiar with are um, Nature's Garden and Forager's Harvest. He's from Wisconsin, right? I think so. Mm. Um, locally, also kind of like Yule Gibbons, where it really gets your interest peaked, is Alma Christensen. Oh, yeah, her book's great. Yes, yeah, uh, For Soul and Kitchen, I have it right can here. Can you still get that? Is it? You can not, find it in places. not in print anymore. Though. I'm sure it's not in print, yeah. but there's some sort of kind of floating around. Right. It's a cookbook, so it tells you how to use them more than yeah. how to identify them. But at some point, that's what piques your interest. Oh, that right. recipe mm-hmm. sounds great. I have to find that. Kind of like mm-hmm. Nanny Newton's. Yeah. Um, 
And then one of the more recent names that I really, really like her stuff because of how visual it is, is this author here, Teresa Marone. I believe she lives in Minneapolis. Okay. She's got three books out, Mushrooms of uh, the Northern Midwest. Just the Midwest? Uh, upper Midwest. Upper Midwest. Um, she's got a berry book, and then she's got one other book that's just about plants and weeds. And they all have this incredibly visual guide to identification, which makes it really easy. And mm. she she errs on the side of caution, especially in that mushroom book. She says don't eat lobster mushrooms. Oh, wow. Because she is, anytime there's a question about anything, like with lobster mushrooms, you don't necessarily know what the parasite has parasitized. Right. That's what I mm. <laughs> Yeah. So she will warn against in those instances. Uh, so it's really nice that she's really cautious. Yeah. I really like her books because of how visual they are. Huge photos, color, great descriptions, and where to find them and when. And they're pocket-sized. Pocket-sized, yeah. The weeds okay. the weeds and, um, and plants one is a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. but not much. So she's one of my favorite newer uh, sources. She has an older book out that's really hard to find. So she's not new-new, but she more recently has really exploded into popularity among, I guess, Midwestern people. And then you got Sean Sherman's book down? I'm sorry? Sean Sherman, the sous chef? Oh, I haven't gotten it yet, but I really would like to get it. You know, because yeah, it's listed here. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who told me about some of the things in it. And, and you know, with, with these recipes or with these wild foods, there aren't actually all that many guides on how to use them. So you've got, like, several lever levels when it comes to wild food. First, you have the introduction to the wild food. Identifying mm -hmm. the wild food is, like, the next level, identifying and finding. Right. So the introduction maybe doesn't have the photos, but it kind of tells you about the wild food. Finding and identifying tells you where to find it, and this is what it looks like. And then you have the last level, which is what, what to, to do, do with it. it. Right. And, you know, and different, mm. different authors are good for different things, you know. Yeah. And he definitely, and the what to do with it is one that, People are just finally figuring out. We told people how to find them. Hmm. They don't know what to do with it now. You know? So that's, uh, people are finally starting to produce books like that. Well, I know its food is amazing. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah. And it, I've had the fortune to eat its food a couple times. Hmm. Boy, it's good stuff. Yeah. So simple. Hmm. You know, it's, it's just a few ingredients and just really simple ingredients and, and just really tasty and hearty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess if you were to go to the less simple, then you could go on to one of the websites that I have listed here. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's two, uh, well, actually for the identification website, Eat the Weeds okay. is a good one. It's by this guy. He calls himself Green Dean. And he has some incredibly good uh, entries on individual foods, usually talks a little bit about their history, etymology, all those things. That's eattheweeds.com. Eattheweeds.com. And I think we, uh, I added on there, I think it's called Eat the Invaders. Other, either that or just Google it and you'll find them. Uh, and they do similar where they introduce foods, but they mm. also go so far as to an, into animals, mm. like invasive species specifically. Right, right. Um, banded Mystery sale, uh, Snail Risotto. Hmm. and how to cook iguana oh. in florida right. how to cook um things like that you know but they also talk about knotweed knotweed yeah yeah knotweed um, and garlic mustard knotweed is in at the uh the arboretum hmm. it's one of the invasive species they're trying to eliminate and i had heard that that you can eat knotweed so i 
thought that that'd be a great idea just to have a, a fundraiser where you eat eat the eat the invaders but um so for invasives uh we talked about japanese knotweed what about cattails so the cattails have the uh the rhizomus or the hybrid cattail hmm. do, do you know what i'm talking about yeah, there's a hybrid cattail yeah i've heard of it but i don't invasive. know much about it honestly oh okay uh, Ooh, invasives thistle Oh. Certain varieties oh, of thistle. thistle, even if they're not invasive, are often noxious. Yes. This year, when you see thistle, I highly recommend before it puts on its flowers, go cut it off. Cut it, cut it off near the root. Dig up the root so it doesn't come back. <laughs> but peel the stalk and eat it. It tastes like garden peas. Wow. It's huh. really good. I'm huh. gonna try pickling some this year. I had some last year. I didn't do anything with it, but. But that's a noxious one almost. It's, there are some invasive varieties. Right. But even when they're not invasive, they're kind of noxious, and the county doesn't like them. <laughs> the bees do. Yes, they do. I find a Canadian thistle much more troublesome than like a bull thistle because, mm-hmm. because they're rhizome. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. That's a whole different topic, too. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. they know that they're edible. So. I think some of them are kind of... Uh, recommended. I think the bull thistle is edible Canadian. I'm not sure. Okay. But so you got the three foragers and food, honest food? Yes. These are two sites that I highly recommend after you've gotten your food. Uh, up above, I wrote down uh, ramp leaf wraps. Yep. That is a recipe that came from honestfood.net. Honest foods uh, net. And that's a guy, his name is Hank Shaw. And he has to be a traditionally trained chef. Hmm. Once you visit his website, you'll know what I'm talking about. His food looks amazing. And uh, and it just gives you great ideas on how to use these things, including, like I said, ramp leaf wraps, which is kind of like a cabbage roll, except you use ramp leaves instead. Yep. He uses white rice, but I actually used wild rice last year, and the wraps, the wraps turned out fantastic. And if you <laughs> do harvest just the leaf, from the ramp, then you don't have to worry about over harvesting yeah. as much. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because yep. the root, the root is still there that will come back and re- reproduce. Yep, absolutely. That's and this recipe works great for that. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. On the same, uh, on the same perspective, I think he write, wrote a book too. I haven't gotten it yet though. I plan on someday doing so. In the same perspective as the three foragers, and uh, theirs are almost exclusively vegetarian recipes though. Oh. Yeah, and they have some really good-looking items. Uh, I plan on, as soon as I have a special enough occasion for it making, for example, um, they have these uh, pastries, stuffed pastries, that they make a cream that's kind of a blended black trumpet mm. with you know a fluffy cream filling, and then they stuff these pastries with it. It sounds just amazing. Mm. And so as soon as I have a special enough <laughs> occasion for it, I'm going to make those. Uh, right. Alternatively, they have all sorts of recipes for, I think they made mushroom sausages that have absolutely no meat in them. No. Yeah, things like that. So these are some recipes on how to use those items. Um, cool. There's, uh, the green, green Dean is a great one for identification. Um, he can be a little bit grumpy on the forum. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked questions. He said he, he responded to something along the lines of, "Why don't people just try things out for themselves rather than asking?" But his information is really good. Green, green Dean. <laughs> green Dean, yeah. Green Dean. And you know, very good information. Very awesome website. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah.
Probably taking enough of Travis's time. Thanks for all your information. This was really interesting. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully, I didn't uh, go over too much. <laughs> no, it, it would be awesome. And, um, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And um, yeah, we'll wrap up this session of Turtle Talks. And, and uh, like always, if you have any other ideas or topics or questions or suggestions for us, let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks, folks. <laughs>